Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Liz Loza and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Um, What satisfied me today? Well... I have to be honest, it has been an interesting, obviously, Andy, you can chime in here, couple of days and the COVID continues to dominate the NFL-related headlines. But I have to say I am extremely satisfied with the way that our product team has handled the situation in terms of our game management. Shouts to B-Marsh and Dips for doing what they're doing and really striving to find what they believed to be a fair and equitable answer. I wanted to, you know, obviously we're going to talk about, we're going to preview all the show, all the matchups, and we're going to start with Buffalo at Tennessee. And there are a lot of question marks there, but Andy, I have also want to say, appreciate how you have reminded people to be um, gentle and kind to their commissioners. I commission league is a 14 team league, which means there are two more voices in the cacophony. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so how have you found this experience? Do you com- are you co- the commissioner of any leagues right now? Yeah, longstanding leagues that uh, are full of understanding people. So it, uh, you know, and we had some notion of how we were going to handle potential situations, certain situations coming into the season. You know, we'd expanded benches and IR spots and all that. It, it, is, just, it is just one of those situations where like every every new development leads to a series of, of pretty bad choices. Like there's no, there's no yeah. clean, perfect way. Yeah, there's just no, there's just no clean way to um, to to manage a, a fantasy league, a fantasy platform in a situation where like, you know, and we can we can certainly second guess the way the NFL itself has has uh, uh, laid out the season without necessarily enough opportunity for postponed games, um, free weeks. There's not like a lot of there's not a lot of open space out there to reschedule a lot of stuff. And so I don't know what that's going to do to the back end of the season. Right. It, we could very well end up in a situation where multiple teams, at least one team, either forfeits games, doesn't play games, plays games outside of the normal 17 weeks. Right. Like it's it's going to get messier. It, it's going to get potentially much messier. So, I, but again, like you, you hope that Titans stop testing positive. You hope that uh, the situation in New England um, doesn't get any worse than it is. Hard to imagine. Like, man, I mean, they've lost they've lost two players to the COVID list, and it's it's their franchise like altering quarterback and the defensive player of the year. That's that's just that's yeah. crazy to me. That's just crazy to me. So yeah, I mean, that, that's the only thing I can really think to say is to 
just remember to be patient with your commissioners who like some of the workarounds that are available to commissioners at Yahoo leagues for certain situations are just, are just so messy and, and like, you know, they're doable, but they're, but they're time killers. And so your commissioners are spending more time on their leagues right now than they have since like the, you know, had to print off the league report once a week in 1990 sort of thing. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's not been harder to be a commissioner in the, in the online era. (laughs) Yeah. I also think, I would implore people, you know, whether they believe this to be fair or not, what is the difference between this in terms of our fantasy perspective, in terms of managing a fantasy team, than, you know, Jordy Nelson tearing his ACL in the preseason after you've already drafted, right? Like yeah. These have to be considered in like injuries. Like you just have to manage injuries and, and COVID is um, keeping players out in a, similar way. Yeah. A big thing that we talked about coming into this season was that we would have not only all of the normal injuries associated with an NFL season with perhaps a spike because there wasn't a normal buildup. Plus we were going to have the COVID list and we were going to have infections and nobody knew exactly what that would amount to. So I I think everybody generally was aware that there was some enhanced uh, uh, injury risk to this year. And now that it's like really hitting us in the face and you drafted Derrick Henry and you're, you know, he's he's not even hurt, but you, you might be without him for two weeks. Like in, it's getting to be a must win. You know, it's hard. It's really hard. Right. Well, well, let's get to it. Let's talk about um, Buffalo at Tennessee. If it happens, it could be moved to Monday or Tuesday or could be postponed or could be forfeited. Who knows? (laughs) 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 Excellent breaking news alert. Uh, because who doesn't listen to podcasts for breaking news? Um, we have some, we have some games being rescheduled provided the Tennessee Titans can manage to not have any more positive COVID tests. Who knows, uh, whether that's possible or not. We believe that the game between the Titans and the Bills is going to take place on Tuesday night for fantasy purposes. If it takes place on Tuesday night, it counts within week five. You get credit for all those stats. It's obviously a, a bit shaky, right? Like I shouldn't need to tell anybody that, a game involving the Titans is subject to change. Um, the Bills were scheduled to play the following week on Thursday night, so they mm. can't exactly turn that around. So the, the game between the Chiefs and Bills that was scheduled for Thursday night in week six moves to Sunday. This has been the end of your breaking news. <laughs> what we do know is that were this team to be played within a week that is considered part of week five, that Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys are not going to take the field as they're on the COVID IR. But I, I, I pause to say silver lining. Um, AJ Brown is back from the knee injury that had sidelined him in weeks two and three. And also, if we're talking about regular injuries, Tredavious White is dealing with a back injury. He didn't practice on Thursday. So if he were not to suit up in theory, because there was a game, but he was not able to play in it because he had a back injury. <laughs> so many ellipses <laughs> here. Then that would be, from a fantasy perspective, quite good for A.J. Brown, who does not have to compete with targets in an already less than voluminous offense and not finding coverage from one of the best shutdown corners in the league. 
Yeah, it, it would really be just be AJ Brown and Johnny Smith and Derrick Henry's 30 touches. And, and that's your that's your Titans offense. Um, and they also have have to deal with the fact of, of I mean, I know they've had some secret practices for which they're going to get in trouble in small groups. Right. But yeah. but they haven't had like legit practices, um, full team coaching staff and all that in, in, like going on two weeks, which is just a massive disadvantage, just a just a, a crazy disadvantage. So um um, really tough situation for Tennessee. Buffalo, like Josh Allen has been so clearly the dominant story for the Buffalo Bills. It has uh, maybe made us lose sight of the fact that Buffalo's defense have been pretty ordinary. Um, and I didn't, that is not a thing that I expected coming into the year. And with White questionable in this game, they're already giving up like almost four and a half yards per carry. They give up over 280 passing yards per game. Like I thought it, I thought it had the potential to be a stay away defense and it just absolutely mm-hmm. is not. I will say, if we're going to talk about Buffalo, you make a great point about the defense. Offensively, John Brown uh, was limping at practice on Thursday. He's been dealing with a calf issue. I think that means even if Brown is compromised, because this is a player who's dealt with durability issues, right? His greatest asset is not just his ball tracking, but obviously his speed. And so any sort of lower body malady is going to negatively affect his ability on the field. But Gabriel... Davis has been excellent. He has scored in two of his last three contests, a rookie, fourth round rookie out of UCF, um, also quite tall, which is helpful for uh, for Josh Allen. And the week he didn't score, he cleared 80 yards. So, you know, he is, I think, available in over 90% of Yahoo League. So if you need to do some tweaking around and were this game to happen whenever, uh, then I do think this particular, in this particular instance, if if Brown is compromised, then Davis becomes someone you want to add and certainly keep an eye on. Yeah, and it's not just uh, it's not just John Brown either, but Cole Beasley uh, suffered a he had a he had a foot issue. Like, first of all, he had one of the highlight touchdowns of week four. Um, terrific, like terrific game from him. Terrific season in process. But then he injured his foot and missed quite a bit of time, came back into the game, was clearly hobbled, though, was clearly limited by it. So I, I wouldn't expect him to be anywhere near 100 percent in this one either. So Davis has done all this like Davis has made plenty of noise without any targets. Like he's, right. he's barely he's barely seeing any targets. He's getting on the field a lot because they run such a fun offense and they have four wide receivers out there uh, like a crazy percentage of the time. So it's been a fun offense. And if Davis actually sees, you know, six targets, eight targets, that's a mm-hmm. that's a big game. Zach Moss, we should mention, obviously it's been the Devin Singletary show, but Zach Moss remains a game time decision after he scratched dealing with, I believe, a toe issue. So keep an eye on that. This whole game, I think we can just keep an eye on. Want to move forward (laughs) to a game that we anticipate to happen unless, you know, 2020 continues to slap us in the face. Uh, One of the highest (laughs) probability games of the week. (laughs) At least 90% to happen. Yes. (laughs) There you go. The Rams are uh, traveling to Maryland to face the Washington football team. I want to start with Washington because the moves in Washington have dominated the headlines, but in a football way, not just because, you know, (laughs) Rivera is throwing out the foosball and the owner's getting sued again. Um, Dwayne Haskins, (laughs) I guess he got that sit down from Ron Rivera again. Only this time it wasn't do better. It was you done nothing. And so uh, Rivera is opting to start Kyle Allen as the team's quarterback. Obviously, there's uh, history and continuity there as Allen was the backup to Cam Newton last year in Carolina. 
I, I, you know, I don't think Alan is great. Alex Smith is going to back up Alan, but Rivera has a familiarity. And, you know, Alan did crush uh, in, I believe, what is that, week three of last year against Arizona, but mostly because everyone crushed against Arizona. Um, In terms of McLaurin, I cannot say enough about Terry McLaurin because, first of all, he's been dealing with a bad quarterback. He's going to deal with a bad backup. He's got this thigh issue that he's played through. Last week, he posted 118 yards on 10 catches versus Baltimore. People were worried about his matchups. Well, he's faced Darius Lay. He's faced Patrick Peterson, Terrence Mitchell. Like, he continues to do everything. This kid is a star. Please don't at me with questions about whether or not you should start him. Oh, that's a I'm glad you threw that in there because he does find his way into a lot of sit start questions that just he should be exempt from. He should be entirely exempt from even if it's only for like for where you had to draft him. I mean, my gosh, I can't. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I can't believe how many questions I get that still involve McLaurin. Kyle Allen was, I mean, just objectively bad last year. And and I I'm sure that this move is being made because Kyle Allen, you know, uh, understands it. This is like one of those like understands the system thing. It's not like Haskins was putting on a clinic, but Kyle Allen last year, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, 13 fumbles. He in only 13 games played. He led the NFL in yards lost to on sacks, right? Like he just it was a it was a series of of negative plays um, quite often for Kyle Allen. He was able to keep DJ Moore like a totally viable fantasy mm-hmm. starter, right? So he's he's not the kind of bad that just erases all the fa- fantasy talent on the field, and that's the one thing that I guess we can cling to. You obviously can't even in Superflex. What a what a desperation, terrible start he would be. But uh, but he can at least feed McLaurin, and that's really really all we need him to do because it's pretty much just Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin that we're we're going to be caring about on this team for a while especially also Steven Sims who had some like over the summer buzz he is still sidelined with a a, a toe injury so Gibson now I think you know be, that that versatility that he has right that that wide receiver running back hybrid situation if you don't have Sims available gives uh Gibson even more opportunity so Agree there. I think even, you know, Logan Thomas has not been as good as he was in week one. And there seemed to have Matt Harmon pointed this out, been some confidence issues between Haskins and Thomas. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Allen is more in sync with Thomas or if Thomas is more in sync with Allen. So I still think that Thomas is, you know, look, listen, what are you going to do with tight end? Like he's still a streamable option. Um, one yeah. more thing defensively, though, for for Washington is that Chase Young is back, so that means that Jared Goff is going. We know that when he's pressured, he gets rather flustered. So this is an opportunity. Chase Young, like this incredible rookie, right, is going to go against like 40-year-old Andrew Whitworth. I don't know if he's 40. I feel like he might be 40. (laughs) Maybe 38. I don't know. But that's a... Andrew Whitworth, Whitworth, obviously Jared Goff's like left tackle. So it's an interesting battle from a real football perspective to keep an eye on. Goff has been unexpectedly um, boring this year, like fantasy wise. I mean, we're sitting on six touchdown passes, no, no more than 32 pass attempts in any game. 
he is he is tied at the bottom of the league in intended air yards per target right now. Like nothing really downfield. Everything that goes to Robert Woods is basically at the line of scrimmage. It's just this has just not been. I mean, the running game is is a spin the wheel situation. This has just not exactly been the the fantasy feast that I'd hoped for. I have of a lot of Jared Goff, particularly in super flex leagues and like really deep formats. I was like, well, this guy's an automatic forty six hundred passing yards, but I'm I'm not so sure we're going to get there this year. You mentioned the spin the wheel backfield. It bears additionally mentioning that Cam Akers is expected to return. So any of that um, Daryl Henderson love needs to be paused, I guess. I mean, now we're just going to we're going to guess we're going to see who has the hot hand. And honestly, this week, given all the injuries and two teams being on by running backs real thin. So I, I'm, I am being forced to flex Cam Akers because of my options available right now. So. It might work. I mean, it might. It absolutely yeah, we'll might see. work. Flexing Cam Akers because it's never been the running back we think it's going to be so far to this point with the Rams. Um, Malcolm Brown outsnapped by a pretty significant number. Uh, Daryl Henderson last week after Henderson had done nothing wrong. <laughs> so it's like it's not going to surprise me at all if Cam Akers plays twenty snaps and gets uh, gets ten touches and sixty yards. So the backfield doesn't matter, uh, and the receiving core in Philadelphia doesn't matter because there isn't one. We're going to talk about the <laughs> Eagles at the Steelers. Deshaun Jackson returned to practice. Oh, great. But Alshon Jeffrey is sick. He like didn't practice due to illness on Thursday. So I guess we're looking at a week six debut for Alshon Jeffrey. The only break I can think of that the Eagles might be getting is that TJ Watt of the Steelers is dealing with a knee injury. I don't know if he suits up or not, but he won't probably be 100 and we know that Wentz is getting like sacked like three times a, a game anyway. So maybe that buys him a little bit more time. I, the, the, I don't even know where to start with Wentz here because he's been salvaging, right. if you can use that word, with rushing production. But there's no way he's running in a score against the Steelers, even if TJ Watt is banged up. Yeah, I, I wish I could credit the the source on this. Somebody made the point on Twitter several days ago that uh, that Carson Wentz is basically playing like like last year like last year's version of Josh Allen, right? Some mm. some fun plays, like he's the the rushing touchdowns are more or less saving his fantasy weeks. Just a ton of giveaways though. Um this is seven interceptions in in four games. Seven interceptions in four games, four fumbles. Um you mentioned you mentioned the sacks. I mean the the you know, he couldn't get away from Washington. It, it's been it's been ugly, it's been frustrating and and he's a guy that obviously we expect everyone to ascend a, a little bit over the course of his career and he's he's regressed in a in a way that I don't think anybody fully saw coming because he was good last year when his receiving core was down to, you know, converted quarterbacks and randoms and, you know, Zach Ertz, right? He was he was fine. He was right. good at the end of the year. Um, and it's just not happening now. So and uh, that that's going to take, you know, a healthy offensive line. And it's going to clearly it's going to take, you know, getting Deshaun Jackson back would would make presumably some sort of difference. But this is just a this is just a brutal matchup. Obviously, you've probably moved on in one quarterback league. You've probably moved on from Wentz already. He's untouchable here. Miles Sanders is is a dice roll in this one, too. I mean, Pittsburgh, they're, you know, they're coming off. They, they've had a week off. Um, they give up just 2.7 yards per carry. Um, it's just, you know, that, this is not a good week for any of your Philadelphia skill players. No, but for Pittsburgh, I mean, they're coming off of this. Um, I want to say Therese Paylor wrote a very interesting, I believe it was Therese, wrote an interesting article about how Pittsburgh and the unexpected bye week that was foisted upon them last week you know, we're we're 
put into a, were disadvantaged by that. There, there was a disadvantage to that. They couldn't build yeah. on the momentum, and there were obviously injuries that Tennessee had that they were game planning against and slash for. So it'll be interesting to see. This game is at home, and we know that Ben has a tendency to perform better at Heinz Field than he does on the road. I'm interested to see how they come out. If there is rust, is there? if there is clunkiness, the good news is that Deontay Thompson should be back having been cleared from that concussion. So, you know, there's a boost for the offense altogether. Yeah, um, Deontay clearing concussion protocol was was like the one little edge they get about this. I, like, I don't think any team wants to have a bye in week four um, because week nine or 10 rolls around and you're desperate for, <laughs> you know, like a week to heal up, right? Um, so... They are put at a pretty significant disadvantage by having to move up their buy to to shoot to early October. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's just bad. Um, and it's it's part of the argument, I suppose, for for forfeitures of games to to happen down the road, right? Like it's just just puts a team in a lousy situation. But the one little silver lining is is Deontay Johnson now gets to now gets to play. And his name is Deontay Johnson, not Deontay Thompson. I don't know why I keep making this mistake. <laughs> I keep calling him Deontay Thompson. Um, and I cannot spell his name when I'm writing in an article every time I have to go Google it. So my apologies. Deontay Johnson is what I meant. Not, no, Deontay Johnson is what I meant. Not Deontay Thompson. Do you ever have this? Do you ever have this like with a player where you like for like swap their, their names? Maybe not. I, I had, I had, uh, I would have to go back to fantasy baseball. I had the worst time with Davy Cruz and Nafi Perez. I would blend their names together all the time. <laughs> like I would just mismatch first and last name. It was, it was, t- I could, I couldn't talk about them. I just had to give like last names. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't have the option to not talk about Deontay <laughs> Johnson because he is a difference maker and he is healthy. He should be in your lineups. He's a top 20 play this week. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I actually have him, both him and Juju, uh, just inside the top 20. Perfect. All right, let's move on to the Cardinals (laughs) at the Jets. Not that this is exciting, though. I suppose, you know, if you're a blue hen, you are ripped to see Joe Flacco start for the Jets. (laughs) What, what, baby? University of Delaware represent. Also, Le'Veon Bell's probably going to be going to be back and for what it's worth Arizona got stunned by Carolina's rushing attack in week four they gave up 84 rushing yards and a score to Mike Davis Teddy B ran one in Reggie Bonifon even went off for like over 70 total yards and a score through the air so maybe this is a nice opportunity for Le'Veon Bell to ease himself back in oh listen to you trying to muster some excitement for (laughs) for the Jets like just thinking about this game, this I don't I don't know that I ever recall seeing so many fantasy busts in in one game um, between Herndon and Kenyon Drake, and I'm I'm already ready to call Le'Veon Bell a bust. Um, you're right, like it's a good spot for Le'Veon to come back. He was he was so inefficient last year, and his whole season was just bailed out like in half PPR and PPR leagues by having a healthy receiving workload. But he was. He was just and obviously with Le'Veon, it's it's always tied to the line as well, like that super patient approach when they're when they're getting hands on you um, before the line of scrimmage just doesn't it doesn't look great. It didn't look great last year. Um, I'm, I'm not expecting big things from Le'Veon over the full season. If he came out and had a day, I, I mean, I would put him on the trade block at halftime. I, I would have him on the trade block so fast. Are you that? I mean, I know nobody is starting Joe Flacco, but do you believe that Joe Flacco could be an upgrade from Sam Darnold for the rest of the pieces of this offense for whatever? I don't, 
I don't think he's an obvious downgrade. I guess I'll, I, I mean, he, See, yeah. he wouldn't, okay. he wouldn't be able to run in the touchdown that Sam Darnold ran in against uh, Denver, but beyond that, like he's not, no, I, I have no reason to think that he can't feed Jamison Crowder just as well as uh, Sam Darnold was doing. I have no reason to believe that he can't ignore, totally ignore Chris Herndon exactly as Sam Darnold was doing. Like, I don't, I don't expect the offense to change a whole lot um, because of Joe Flacco. He can, he can like- throw the same. He can turn the ball over in exactly the same manner that Sam Darnold was doing it too. Well, Andy, now that is enough. That is, that's too much. <laughs> You've gone too far. I've got like sneaky, sneaky affection for Joe Flacco. Um, but whatever. I think at least a change may, and Sam Darnold, let's be honest, I'm just a curse. Let's talk about Arizona though, because um, <laughs> Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are it. Kenyon Drake couldn't make it happen in the blow up spot versus Carolina. So are we expecting that he'll be able to do it against the Jets? And when do we just start starting Chase Edmonds instead? Yeah, you know, Scott and I were talking about this in the in the pickups podcast because Chase Edmonds is still out there in about in about two thirds Mm -hmm. of of Yahoo leagues. He's he's seeing the ball enough that he's already viable, especially once we get into to messier bye weeks than this one. He's already pretty viable as a flex. Um, They like to, you know, we, we don't often a backup like that, an understudy running back like that. We don't, we don't always see them with a goal line rope role, but he kind of has that too. Like they'll bring him onto the field when they get inside the 10. So that's cool. Um, he's like, he's playable. If he's going to get 10 touches a game, I, I I think he's playable. I think he's, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain Kenyon Drake because that was such an easy, obvious blow up spot. And for it not to happen, um, is disturbing. And then, the fact that he's just not catching any passes or running any routes is a is a huge problem, too, because he doesn't there's no you know, it means the the floor changes. Right. It's not I just right. talked about how Le'Veon Bell, as bad as he was last year, was still seeing, a, a you know, a thousand targets. So it made him fantasy viable. We don't get any of that with Kenyon Drake. Like if Kenyon Drake isn't running for 80 yards and a touchdown, there's no path to him helping you because they don't they don't look his way as a as a receiver. Well, this isn't, you know, he's he's not as good of a runner as Nick Chubb. I mean, everybody, I mean, this what I can't yeah. help but look at the comparison between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and yet they're very different offenses. But like in terms from a fantasy perspective, like nobody wanted Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt was going to eat into all of his production. There wasn't going to be enough for them to share, and everybody wanted Kenyon Drake because of this lit offense that was going to create all of these holes and these extra running lanes. And oh my gosh. This player who's only ever done anything in two separate Decembers was the answer. And yet, <laughs> and yet, like Chase Edmonds is sort of from a usage standpoint, it the Kareem Hunt in a very like with way less volume, but like the preferred option on passing downs in the red area of the field when utilizing that backfield. Yeah, it's also really easy to see a path to the to the snaps and touches evening out between these two players. Like we've already yeah. seen when when Chase Edmonds does fall into a full workload, it's it's been great. Um it was great last season like he can have supernova games. Um it it's it's not much of a stretch to think that the touches will even out between these two guys fairly soon. We're going to talk about next the Raiders at the Chiefs. From a health standpoint, um you know, you hope that the Raiders get healthier. Henry Ruggs returned to practice this week and he could play Sunday. So he would add a nice speed element that was clearly added to match the speed elements, plural, that Kansas City has. I mean, I think we did one of the, you know, over the summer shows and it's basically like the Vegas, the Vegas Raiders. That sounds so weird to say the Vegas Raiders are trying to 
do everything they can to match the Chiefs within the division. Yeah, and Ruggs is is perhaps the biggest part of that, right? First receiver taken, classic classic Raider pick, right? Like a like a speed guy over over anything, and 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 like serious speed too, like four two speed. Um, it's great to see him getting back. This is a tough spot, and I I credit to Kansas City because I didn't think that their defense would be coming into the season. Certainly didn't think that their defense would be anything like this. It has been super stingy. They're only giving up 195 passing yards per game. They have more interceptions than touchdowns allowed on the season. Um, so this is obviously a difficult spot for most of the Raiders' offense. I suppose Jacobs is getting the kind of volume where it shouldn't really matter. I mean, I think Jacobs is averaging like 23 or 24 touches a game. So you're starting him, clearly, but Kansas City has just been a lot stingier, and uh, uh, they are collecting takeaways, and they have been really impressive defensively. And then from the Kansas City side of things, you're you're starting everyone. I, I, would, I have to imagine that, like, McCole Hardman's wild variance starts to slow down a little bit here. <laughs> But I don't know if you can if you can afford to take the risk not to start him. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, I think that Hardman is probably especially through the bye weeks. It's hard for me to imagine um, leaving Hardman on too many benches. I'm just I'm thinking of some fantasy rosters that I have right now where I would give a kidney for McCall. <laughs> like, like, I, I think I think Hardman can be started. I mean, he's a he's still a receiver tied to Patrick Mahomes. This is a pretty good chance that this is a blow up. I have a terrible track record this season predicting blow up weeks, so I probably shouldn't even say it. But there's a pretty good chance is a blow up week for Clyde Ed- Edwards Lair. Um, yeah. He he's obviously he's got a he's got a good season in progress 108 scrimmage yards per game not finding the end zone a ton necessarily um outside of week one but vegas allows five yards per carry like this is a this is a really good spot for edward solaire i would certainly expect him to top 100 total yards in this one um it wouldn't surprise me if it's like 120 and a touchdown jacksonville at houston what's the biggest thing that stands out to you in this one to me this is this is just a, a start your guys opportunity (laughs) yeah it really is it actually really is a start your guys uh game houston ranks last against the run giving up almost 182 rushing yards per week they allow eight yards per pass attempt like they've they've faced a a tough schedule obviously everybody Mm -hmm. knows that they got out to the 0-3 start and you were like oh but it's quality of opponent and then they finally finally got a friendly opponent and couldn't beat them either um that that defense has been horrid jacksonville also ranks bottom third against both the run and pass so uh there's nobody here that i particularly want to sit feel free not to trust brandon cooks randall cobb those those types but will fuller is a full go here david johnson this is this is one this should be one of the good weeks for david johnson and on the other side, we saw what a difference DJ Chark makes for the for the Jacksonville Absolutely. offense and, and how everything just sort of clicked into place with him on the field. Like the difference between Conley and DJ Chark is is notable, right? Like that that mattered a lot. And James Robinson continues to be a top 10 play. Yeah, James, I, I forget what he is in our in our daily game. It's like 25 bucks, something like that. I think he can blow that out of the water because he's volume has been there every week. Um, mm-hmm. regardless of situation volume has been there for Robinson. He's been productive. And again, this is, he's facing a team that I believe ranks dead last against the run. Um, so it's a great spot for him. Quick note for anybody who is desperate for tight end and streaming. If you weren't able to get Rob Gronkowski, who's playing Thursday in, we'll see if that turned out well or not, but I know that he was a popular stream this week. Uh, Jordan Aikens is back from the concussion. He was knocked out, obviously, against Minnesota. He is a sneaky stream. Jacksonville has allowed the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends and have given up three touchdowns to the position. So, again, not great. But if you're desperate, you can stream him. 
Moving on to, so this is an interesting game. When we go through our outlines, I'm always, sometimes I'll look ahead and I'll be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that game. That game this week is new, is the Giants game. But when we're talking (laughs) about, but sometimes I get excited to move ahead. And I am very excited to see Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson, Cincinnati at Baltimore. We've talked about how much Joe Burrow has been throwing the ball. I think he's averaging around 44 pass attempts per week, maybe even higher than that, 44 and a half. So the question though is, this is the Baltimore has a stingy defense. Can they slow the kid? One of the mad bets questions that I was asked this week is, you know, over under one and a half touchdowns for Burrow. And I'm going to take the over on it. Ooh, um, I, I had the first thing as my as my like big item on this game was getting to see Joe Burrow against this defense, because um, the, the Baltimore defense, like they've utterly controlled three quarterbacks and then. Patrick Mahomes lit them on fire. Like yeah, it's just, he, a, it's different. just kind of a, yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of a weird, like they don't look as good as I think they are statistically right now because of the Kansas city game. But, um, they, they absolutely dispatched, um, their other, the, like, what was it? Mayfield, Deshaun Watson. Like they've, they've faced some credible quarterbacks and they've absolutely handled them except Patrick Mahomes. Dwayne Haskins too. If we're Detonated. Okay. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, two are respectable. One of them is really good. And then Patrick, Patrick Mahomes absolutely eviscerated them. Um, so statistically, they don't look they don't necessarily look great. But Joe Burrow against them is is going to be a really fun test. And it's been one of the most entertaining things about Cincinnati's season is that they are not you know, you're disappointed about this if you're a Joe Mixon manager. Right. Because last year, regardless of game flow, negative game script, whatever, we're giving Mixon the ball 30 times. Um, he's he's our best player. We're just going to feed him. That's not obviously been the case this year. They are, you know, they fall behind and it's like, OK, Joe, sure. You got to throw 60 times for us to get back into this game somehow. Do it. Um, it's been really fun. But this is a this is a different level of defense. So uh, that is the thing that I am probably uh, most eager to see on the on the Baltimore side. I, I was just looking this. I was just looking at uh, uh, for whatever reason, looking at like year to date scoring leaders by position. The Ravens run the hell out of the ball and are probably going to finish this season as the league's number one rushing offense. Don't have a top thirty five fantasy running back, which I just think is crazy, right? Like yeah. this doesn't happen very often. Like Mark Ingram is like number 36 right now. And sure, like he's he's probably a good bet to score against Cincinnati, which gives up almost five yards per carry. But it is such a it's just weird that the Ravens are this good. And the only guy you can really trust is Lamar Jackson. I, I do think Hollywood Brown, I think he's a little bit nicked up, does have an opportunity there. The breakout is coming and it should be in this yeah. game. We've talked about, you know, it didn't work out for the Eagles the way that we thought it might. But I do think this could be one of those opportunities. Also, it should be noted um, really quickly. T Higgins is still available on over 50 percent of Yahoo leagues like the torch has been passed. I like the rapport there. Nine targets two weeks ago. Uh, what did he have? I want to say 77 last week. Now, obviously, yeah. the DBs in Baltimore are of a different caliber than those in Jacksonville. You know, like you're not comparing Marlon Humphreys to DJ Hayden necessarily. But um, I will say that T Higgins, I will. This is a moment where if I need to, I am going talent over matchup. And I believe he has the talent and the rapport with Burrow for it to matter. You make an excellent point switching gears to Baltimore's backfield. But if we are talking about running, obviously the most electric or one of the most electric runners in the league, Lamar did miss practice on Wednesday and Thursday because of a knee 
issue slash injury he is expected to play, but obviously um, keep an eye on the practice report Friday because if he doesn't practice Friday, I'm a little bit more concerned than I am right now. We're recording Thursday night. Yeah, for for sure. I agree with all that. Um, it maybe this ends up being one of those games where they just try to do it through the air, right? And we and and you have to you have to imagine right? that the. Right, right. You have to because there were near misses with Hollywood Brown um, last time out too. Yeah. Like he, he almost he he's coming off a game in which he almost really had a day, and Lamar talked about it afterwards uh, as well. So this this might be one of those situations where Lamar doesn't have to go for eighty eight yards, ninety yards on the ground in order for them to pull away and get a win. All right, you know who has been going for it on the ground, rushing surprisingly, is Teddy Bridgewater. Ran in a touchdown <laughs> last week. That was fun to see Teddy Bridgewater quietly playing some very good ball. I, I am I have been very impressed and excited by the Panthers. Like aside from winning record, we talked about this a little bit with the Raiders after they like you know uh, gut punched the uh, the Saints. I am enjoying. I like to see like these young and hung youngery teams um, kind of I don't know figure themselves out. Like it's just a fun experiment and especially when they're dealt a blow, like the loss of their franchise player, that which is the fulcrum for the entire offense has to go out. I like to see Teddy Bridgewater. I like seeing Mike Davis perform. I have not liked the amount of opportunities that Curtis Samuel has been getting, but I do think that changes this week because Reggie Bonifant, the theoretical RB2 has been placed on IR. He's got a high ankle sprain, I believe. So I think that does mean that Curtis Samuel, who we have seen get a few touches out of the backfield, might have more opportunities. And when I look at the matchup against the Falcons, who are not only Civ-like, but also are giving up the most (laughs) explosive plays. Like if we think about Curtis Samuel, the reason that it is so hard to break up with him is because of that big playability. And he has caught two passes over 20 yards in back-to-back games. So that is evident even in 2020 when he hasn't been what we maybe hoped he would be. However, you know, and Robbie Anderson isn't doing the thing that we thought Robbie Anderson would do. But when I look at the Falcons and I think like, well, is there a better offense that gives up big ceiling type play, a better defense that gives up big ceiling plays than this one? No, that to me is a match. I think Curtis Samuel is in a really interesting, fun, high ceiling risk reward sleeper spot this week. It's a tough name to go back to, um, but I do see the path to touches, right? And uh, poor Bonifon um, got injured super late last week, yeah. too. Um, it, it was was really just stepping into a into a role, and McCaffrey's probably going to be back in in if not next week, the week after. Um, so anyway, I, always terrible to see people get injured. So Samuel in a bye week could be a sneaky fun start. I I just think everything about like. Carolina this year has been has been really fun and really encouraging because uh, obviously they picked the worst possible offseason to change everything, but they <laughs> did. And it's kind of working. And the the combination that seemed nonsensical, uh, Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson, has been one of the league's absolute best right (laughs) like Anderson Anderson is the is I I mean I think we have to regard him as the number one receiver there now with maybe DJ Moore is like 1a because Anderson has seen 34 targets he's averaging over 90 receiving yards per game he's caught nearly everything that has come his way his his catch percentage is over 80 percent right now 
I just not, I, I just did not think that the the skill set marriage between well just the tendencies like what what does Robbie Anderson do best versus what does Teddy Bridgewater do most often like I just didn't think it was a great pairing most people didn't think it was a great pairing it has been literally the very best pairing <laughs> it's it's been fantastic so far also highlighting that Adam Gase doesn't necessarily coach to a player's ceiling <laughs> yeah. whereas maybe the kid's former college coach knows all the things he can do. It's a it's a very good point. It's it's yet another one on the on the Adam Gase uh, ledger. Yeah, it's not looking Zing. too good. Uh, let's talk about Atlanta. Julio is still a question mark for this weekend. He did not practice on Thursday. I guess he did some not an official practice. Mark does did not practice, but he did some individual drills on the side. I saw someone interesting, and I wish I could credit it as you said earlier on Twitter. Say Devonte Adams isn't playing right now for the reason for the reason that Julio Jones is off the field, which I thought was an interesting, like this rush to get Julio back on the field. And oftentimes it's the player who wants to get on the field and it's a hamstring issue and that's soft tissue. And we also know that Julio is at an elevated age for a player of his um, ability and, and status. Right. So I think that maybe Julio shouldn't play like maybe just, yeah. just, chill out with this it, it doesn't seem like it's worth it for him to continually be aggravating an issue in which he needs to even if the I mean I understand when players get like when teams get into this wild deficit and they're losing and losing and they just get desperate and start making some bad decisions but it feels like let you're yet it's over yo you're not winning the division <laughs> it's over give the poor man a minute 2020 is a lost year for lots of folks hit pause let him get right, drink some Gatorade, figure it out, and then we can start back up. And and he can hit some of those, like, you know, I'm sure his contract has, like, certain incentives that he wants to hit within it. I fully agree with you. He needs to he needs to not play, right? Like, um, you, you can't get into another situation like last week. That's no, that that doesn't benefit the team at all when he has to check out midway through. Um, you're, you're risking, him, obviously, a much more significant injury to him if you don't just let him get right. I fully agree with that. It's a obviously it's a huge disappointment, um, huge blow to the receiving core. Whatever you think about him relative to Calvin Ridley, um, Julio Jones has been one of the three best receivers of the last 25 years. Right. Like he's about as good mm -hmm. as it gets. It, I mean, it's a huge blow. It's a huge blow to Matt Ryan in, in what would otherwise be a, a great matchup. But without Julio, like it's going to change my it's going to change my rank on on Ryan a fair amount. I, he's inside my top 10 right now. He'd probably be outside my my top. He'd probably be 14-ish, um, just spitballing um, if we get confirmation that Julio isn't going to go. Calvin Ridley is not 100% healthy, but he will play. I'm not worried about him. Um, <laughs> Todd Gurley is in a fantastic spot. And maybe this week he won't need... Uh, you know, one of the offensive linemen to push him into the end zone. We'll see. <laughs> when Lindstrom really... did that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he didn't totally need it, but it was like a, it was like a, a condemnation of Gurley's, I don't know, speed or explosiveness. He was like, hurry up, man, get in there. Nobody, like, like, nobody was even in front of him. Yeah. So Gurley has obviously been getting by on touchdowns, but there's no reason to think that that's going to go away against Carolina. Like Kenyon Drake is the only one who's blown the Carolina matchup this year. I wouldn't expect Todd Gurley to blow it. Uh, do you have any thoughts, if especially if Julio doesn't go on this Olamide Zacchaeus fellow who we saw um, drew nine targets uh, last week, 76% of the Falcons offensive snaps. Are you interested in him as a wide receiver three or does this feel like fool's gold? 
No, no, no. I, I think the targets are pretty clearly going to be there. It's entirely tied to Julio. And he's about, you know, you have to assume that he would deliver something like 70% of the production that Julio would on the same targets. But I mean, he, he just uh, was at nine targets. He just saw like a huge uh, mm-hmm. workload. Um, so yes, I, I would be super interested in him. Uh, you, th- you think of some of the other guys who are going to be like one week plays. I am at least as interested in him as I would be, um, you know, any of these any of these Jets outside of Jamison Crowder, who've become fantasy relevant. I'd be I'd be more interested in him than than Greg Ward, than a whole bunch of those other. You know, I'm, it's it's pretty similar to my Curtis Samuel feeling, I would have to say, like they're all like, yes, I think he's going to vault into the into the 40 to 45 range at, at receiver in my ranks. Well, thank you, Andy, for contextualizing that. I also wanted to thank our sponsor again for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters deluxe mixed nuts. Miami is traveling to San Francisco. I always think it's funny when you talk about a city traveling to another city. Maybe you don't do that. The (laughs) Dolphins are traveling to San Francisco. Um, And in San Francisco, the team is starting to get healthy. And we saw George Kittle on the field last week. Mostert, Raheem, that is, and Jimmy G are back at practice. No word yet if they'll play, but Andy, what's your hunch on Raheem Mostert? Not to put you on the spot, but I just did. Um, yeah, my hunch is that he'll, is that he'll play. I mean, he was practicing on Wednesday. So like if, if, you know, if I was skeptical about it, it would, the situation would be where like, maybe he comes back for a limited session on Friday and I wouldn't be too optimistic about it. But when you're actually on the practice field on Wednesday, which is barely a necessary day in terms of, of actually being able to play that week, um, I feel pretty good about it. So that's a, it's a huge addition unless you were counting on a big week from uh, Jared Jared McKinnon, McKinnon. right? Who is, who is surely not going to see 20 plus touches if Raheem Mostert is, is in the picture. It's a very friendly matchup too. Um, Seems like Jimmy G has a chance to come back, which for, for, I I might be the only person who's still holding out hope for CJ Beathard as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So that, that deals a blow to the, the CJ Beathard experience apparently for another week. This is an opportunity where your Iowa Hawkeyes love and Dalton Del Don's <laughs> 49ers ferocity gets to meet. So you, there might actually be two people rooting for CJ Beathard. Um, so we, <laughs> <laughs> from the other side of things, it's not just San Francisco who's getting healthier. Miami is also getting healthier in that they're getting a key player, Byron Jones, very expensive offseason acquisition cornerback. From Dallas, obviously, he practiced in full after missing weeks three and four with a groin injury. So a little bit of a boost um, for the Dolphins there, though. I think that, you know, we won't say that their defense is good by any means, but, you know, something is better than nothing here. Yeah, they have allowed 9.3 yards per pass attempt uh, so far this season, which uh, won't surprise you to learn that that is dead last in the NFL. They have been they have been really bad. So any any addition to that defense, any live body uh, is going to is going to help a whole lot. Um, we should we should mention also San Francisco. I don't think we even mentioned Debo Samuel getting back in the game uh, a, yep. a week ago. That was great to see. So they they have very nearly their full complement. And it's going to be against, again, a, a defense that has been by some metrics uh the worst in the NFL against the pass. Brandon Ayuk looked very explosive, hurtling players. You saw the yak ability. That was awesome. 
And I feel like I feel like that play wasn't like hurdle doesn't do it justice. That was like some that was some levitation. That was like just some (laughs) wizardy stuff that he was doing. That was not like Kalen Balaj tries to hurdle dudes. Um, Brandon Ayuk, like fully clear. I mean, fully cleared a grown man. That was incredible. So San Francisco is is mounting this effort. And um, also from the uh, Dolphin side of things, Devontae Parker is practicing on and off. He's been dealing with, I believe it's a, a chest injury is, or a knee, a knee or a chest. It's about the same, right? In either way, he's been <laughs> Surely on the they're field. Connected. <laughs> he's been on the field um, and remains the team's uh, wide receiver one. I have to say, you know, Mike Gusecki started really hot and we were like, oh, we know it's happening here, right? Like he's the team slot receiver and then has underwhelmed. How are you dealing with Gusecki moving forward? Or because the position is so volatile, he's just going to be in that 13 to 11 range every week. Yeah. Um, three targets in back-to-back weeks is is yeah. bad. That's <laughs> a really bad sign coming off a high volume game too, right? Like everybody knows he's a superhuman freak athlete right but he had the um i mean he scored a touchdown a couple weeks ago against jacksonville also had a ball bounce off his face which is never good for a a, a professional receiver right like that's a really bad sign they they've uh he's been a disappointment preston williams has been one of the not that you drafted preston williams as a sure starter but that's been a he's coming off a significant injury too but he's been a he's been a real disappointment he catches two-point conversions pretty much every week but that's about the limit of his contribution so far so um gaseki is not one of my one of my preferred streaming options i don't have a lot of faith in the player don't have a lot of faith in the offense not sure when they're going to flip the switch and go to tua but it's but it's got to be coming at this point mm-hmm. that's a good point also Devonte parker has an ankle issue so it's not his knee. It's not his chest. It's his ankle. It's getting further Let's, away from his chest all the time. So this was the game I'm not excited about, even though it has the second highest over under of the week per bet MGM. It's currently at 54 points with Dallas giving <laughs> nine and a half. It's the Giants at Dallas game. I'm mostly not excited for this because the the Giants are such a hard watch. And I suppose I should be excited for the Giants because I think that Devonta Freeman is has an opportunity. If any of you drafted him over the summer and are stashing or certainly picked him up after Saquon was hurt, I think this is like a moment that he has some real run and he has absolute flex appeal. Dallas is given everything. I mean, my God, Ernst, uh, dear Ernst Johnson had what, like 90 some yards on the ground last week. But overall, I, I sort of already know what I'm doing, right? You're starting all of your Cowboys. You're starting Amari Cooper. You're starting CD lamb. Who's been ultra reliable. You're probably starting Michael Gallup. Anyway, you're definitely starting Zeke, who is the most, the, the most, the highest priced running back, I believe in our daily game. But are you excited for this game? <laughs> well, it's hard not to be excited, at least on the Cowboys side, about a quarterback who's on pace for like 6,700 yards, right? <laughs> right? Like Tag is averaging 422 passing yards per week. He's somehow supporting like four or five viable fantasy targets. Dalton Schultz is a thing. There's an example of a guy that I would be playing over Mike Kosicki. Um, and so on the Cowboys side, it's pretty fun. I think you're right to highlight the Devontae Freeman situation because if it's if it's going to happen at all this year, it's got to happen this week. Cleveland just ran for 
over 300 yards against Dallas, which is just a which is a stupid number. That's a silly number. That's like that's what teams tried to do in like 1976. Right. Nobody even tries to do that uh, in the in the modern era. So it's got to happen. This is like Ed, what happens when an easily resisted force meets an easily moved object or something like that. Like Freeman hasn't been very good, but Dallas absolutely cannot stop the run, hasn't really stopped anything defensively. Um, so if it doesn't happen for Freeman here, it may not happen. Should be a should be a good spot for Daniel Jones if there's ever going to be one. He's like 22 bucks in our daily game. Uh, but I can't I can't make a strong case for anybody on the Giants side. And nobody's been more disappointing to me this season than Evan Ingram. I'm also not entirely sure that Dak is going to pass as much as he has been because I don't think that the Giants have the firepower to keep up. I don't think this is one of those yeah. situations. Scott Pianowski always talks about this, like in order for these these ping pong style matchups to happen, you need the other team to fight back. And I, I don't have the faith that that's going to happen here. So I guess that is, you know, if the if the point total is at 54, I I am inclined to take the under on it. So no, no, Jason Garrett revenge game narrative from you. You don't think he's been storing up anything for the guy? I don't either. I don't. Yeah, I mean, we'll yeah, see I mean the how Giants offense is pretty boring. Are you are you saying that he might try to clap back? At Dallas? <laughs> Zing. No, no, I don't think Jason Garrett has it in him. Indianapolis at Cleveland. I mean, if you really don't care, then if I don't care about the Giants at Dallas, then I really don't care about the Indianapolis at Cleveland because, I mean, I don't know what the projected point total is in this one, but I would say it might be 20. <laughs> Like Cleveland's been fun. Cleveland's been really Cleveland's been frisky. Fun, but, but Baker Mayfield is not throwing the ball. I mean, Kevin Stefanski turned yeah. OBJ into a damn running back. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not excited as someone who has quite a bit of exposure to Baker Mayfield in super flex leagues. Like I thought there would be some unleashing, but those training wheels are not coming off. And Indianapolis I believe is like in the bottom three among pass attempts as well. So these are two very conservative style offenses who want to focus on the run, playing the game as if it was excellent point, the 1960s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Indianapolis, like for a while there, at least through the Jets game, I was thinking, well, this has to be an accident of the schedule because I another one of those things where, you know, you just didn't anticipate the defense being this effective. But they are still we're four weeks into the season. We're a quarter into the season. They've they've only allowed six yards per pass attempt, three and a half yards per carry the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, the second fewest to running backs like they're I mean, again, it hasn't been a tough schedule so far. And all they all they really did last week was handle Nick Foles. But still, this defense is is beating up the opponents that they're supposed to beat up. So that doesn't necessarily bode well, doesn't make me feel that great about popular waiver ad Dearness Johnson for a week. Mm -hmm. Again, he was great against he was great against Dallas. Super fun backstory. I really, really like yeah, pretty, pretty interesting player. He was working on a fishing boat for a while. Like I just see, you know, working on a fishing boat before the AAF. Um, so I, I, you like all those things, but it, it is a it is a daunting matchup. And as you say, Baker is averaging just over 180 passing yards per week, which will not pay the fantasy bills. And Philip Rivers does not have a multi touchdown game yet this season. So I don't expect a points bonanza. Uh, we do have some news, updating news about uh, the next matchup. It is Denver at New England. It has been moved to Monday night, in fact. Hoping it happens. Um, that gives Cam Newton an extra day to 
test negative a couple times, right? Like this, these are uncharted waters for all of us. Um, I'm I'm not really sure if he has a great chance to come back for this one. Uh, it's a little bit better opportunity now. Uh, the quarterback on the other side has a pretty good chance to come back now too. I would assume because Drew Lack mm-hmm. Drew Lock has actually uh, returned to practice. It's a shoulder issue. You got to worry about that. But the quarterback play there has been has been so bad. They certainly need him. Yeah, and obviously Stefan Gilmore won't be available. So if Locke does return, then that you have to imagine makes life a little bit easier for Jerry Judy. Yeah, Jerry Judy had that uh, that sensational grab uh, for a touchdown in the Thursday nighter against the Jets. Um, Tim Patrick was great in that game. Tim Patrick hopefully was a was a popular waiver ad this week. I haven't seen what his roster percentage is right now, but he's getting a ton of targets. He's got size, a little bit of separation ability. I think he's a really fun player. Um, no, no KJ Hamler in this one. Not sure yet about the status of Noah Fant. He had the ankle issue again. He gets an extra day here that may help him. Um, but I, but I, like, I think Drew Locke can be good enough to support, you know, two, three viable fantasy receivers. So I, I think, again, Tim Patrick was a guy who came into the week available in, in virtually all Yahoo leagues. So I, I think he deserves some attention. He is rostered now in 18%. I know because I have him rostered in the fishbowl. That is how deep that league is. He has scored in back-to-back yeah. weeks. And you think New England, this is an, an exacting defense, right? Even without Stephon Gilmore, the matchup is not, especially if you have questions under, under center, is not ideal. However, after week week five, not that 2020 should be a season in which we're planning ahead, but uh, Tim Patrick does have yeah. Miami on the 18th in week six and then Kansas City in week seven. So it does ease up the schedule a little bit here. Yeah, we should probably talk about Damian Harris, too, because um, he had a great point. game. Yeah. yeah, had a had a terrific game in his season debut, and it was well-timed because Sony Michelle had hit IR, looked really good. Yet another successful Alabama running back, um, 100 yards, uh, probably not going to catch any passes. That's going to be the the domain of Rex Burkhead and, and James White, but a really effective runner. And it's really hard to imagine Denver throwing New England into negative game script here. So I think the run's going to be in play all, all day for Harris. So another good spot for him. Excellent point. Harris is 56% rostered, touched the ball, as Andy said. He, uh, 17 attempts, 100 yards. The other thing I just want to say about Harris, this kid was a third-round pick from a year ago, and he was teammates with Josh Jacobs. You know, Josh Jacobs was like the electric runner who never really, who wasn't the workhorse, right? But Damian Harris, yeah. I like to think of him as um, a player who is perfect for New England because he is multiple. He can do a lot of the things, maybe not extreme. Like he doesn't do one thing awesomely, but he can do all of the things pretty well. And so he's a player that I think fits this offense perfectly because of his ability to be multiple. Yeah, it's the reason that he that he touched the ball so often at Alabama, despite the fact that he was on teams with like Scarborough and Mm. Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry, right? And and Damian Harris always got always got run. Sunday night's game, Minnesota at Seattle. This has the highest projected point total per bet MGM of the week, currently at 57 points. So this one I am excited about. I am I, I'm feeling some love for Kirk Cousins in this one. I don't think he necessarily throws up all over himself unless it is because he is working <laughs> so hard. And there is a history, let's not forget, of these two quarterbacks getting into a bit of a ping pong match and Cousins, well, at least, you know, when he was with Washington coming out victorious in this matchup. 
Yeah, Cousins, uh, Justin Jefferson, who obviously backed up his big game with another big game, um, and Adam Thielen should, like, if if we're playing the matchups and the matchups work as we think they will, um, should all blow up. Seattle, not only is it a is it a is it a very poor pass defense, they have actually allowed 500 more receiving yards to wide receivers than any other defense in the league. Um, they've allowed over mm-hmm. 1,300 receiving yards to wideouts already. Um, that that suits the Vikings perfectly because they only want to throw the ball to two guys, right? Um, Cousins has actually not attempted very many passes at all. I don't think he's attempted more than, I think it's 27 in any game. Um, he doesn't have a 30 pass attempt game this season, but it's all going to go to Jefferson and Thielen. Um, there's no reason to think that they won't blow up here. It's a, It's a great spot for all three of those guys. It also doesn't surprise me that Justin Jefferson, who has been so in, so efficient and was such a safety valve for Joe Burrow at LSU, his breakout has aligned with Cousins' cleaner play. Last week, Cousins play, did not turn the ball over a single time and managed, I believe, his first um, his highest yardage total of the season at 260. Now, like that's not bananas, but he has made Cousins' decision-making process easier. And that, as we know... Uh, as people who have watched Kirk Cousins is essential to his productivity and success. Yeah. One, one other fun thing about Cousins is uh, he leads the NFL, according to next gen stats in uh, intended air yards per target. He's, he's averaging over 11 air yards per target on the season, which is easily the highest total in the league. Mm. Talk about the Monday night game. Now remember there are going to be two. We anticipate since Denver and new England have moved to Monday night, the, regularly scheduled Monday night game is the Chargers at the Saints. Obviously, there's not going to be Austin Eckler featured in this game. He is out four to six weeks with a grade two hamstring issue. So you have to think that this becomes Josh Kelly time, though I would like to say maybe people are doubting Justin Jackson a little bit. I have Justin Jackson. I'm going to talk to him, talk him up a little bit in our a nutty prediction segment, but are you as down on Josh Kelly or as high on Josh Kelly as he seems to be a bit divisive kind of splitting the fantasy community here? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely worried because Justin Jackson has been good in the past on in a very limited touches, right? But he's been he's been efficient. He's been highly effective. And Josh Kelly has fumbled in back to back games. And uh, like, what's an easier decision for most NFL coaches than to veer away from a rookie running back who's fumbled in back to back games? I mean, especially um, if your head coach used to play the position. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just uh, it, it's bad. If he has any more ball security issues, you have to you have to assume that Justin Jackson fully leapfrogs him. Um, it, it may happen in this one. I would expect it to be something close to 50 50. So I'm I'm not assuming that that Kelly just takes this workload over. And it's like, a, I don't I don't know if anybody out there thinks that it's going to be a 70 30 split, but I certainly don't. I certainly don't have that in mind. Let's talk about Justin Herbert because there was a big announcement, drum roll, that Justin Herbert is officially, officially the Chargers starting quarterback. I don't know where anyone saw that coming. That is the biggest surprise of 2020. <laughs> we have talked, we've talked about Kirk Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater maybe being in streamable, great matchup-based opportunities to, to blow up this week. But Justin Herbert hung with TB12 for four quarters last yeah. week, finding guys like Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, Donald Parham Jr. did it without Mike Williams, without Austin Eckler on the field. And now he's going to travel to New Orleans and take on another old 
are we streaming? <laughs> are we streaming Justin Herbert here? Can he go for over 300 passing yards? Yeah, I mean, he's passed the eye test in every game and he's had some some difficult matchups, too. So he's he's averaging 310 passing yards per week. Um, I, I see no reason to believe that can't happen here. Obviously, the Saints are going to put up points. Um, I, I don't know that they can. I don't know that they can win, um, but he seems fearless. He's got a big arm. He's just he's just doing all the right all the things that we would want for fantasy purposes, right? Because he is feeding Keenan Allen. Um, Keenan might have thirty targets over the last two games, something like that, with Herbert. So he's he's just absolutely feeding him, and then he's still connecting with you know nine, ten receivers each game. So it's not. It feels kind of like the Keenan Allen show, but everyone else is involved. Um, he's creating huge splash plays for for other people he doesn't look like a rookie at all he's been one of the one of the real fun stories of the season we're we're talking before the pod like what an unnecessary thing to announce like i i had already i already knew like who didn't know that justin herbert was the starter for the rest of the season i guess i guess you have to formally announce it but um that that much was has been very clear and and new orleans is allowing the the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks there's no reason to think that justin herbert can't take advantage of that Lots of injuries for both of these defenses, the Saints and the Chargers, which have affected the efficacy and the productivity, obviously, of their offenses. Now, we we should talk about Michael Thomas. Last week, we talked about Michael Thomas, and it seemed like because he had practiced in a limited fashion that he was going to play, obviously did not. He's still dealing with this ankle issue. He got in a limited practice again on Thursday because the game is Monday night. I have him ranked. I'm going to assume once again and maybe be wrong that he takes the field finally. Uh, yeah, I've I've ranked him as if he's going to play and be a, a somewhat compromised version of himself. Right. Um, we, we know the players coming back from high ankle situations um, like that. That has a that that has echoes um, mm-hmm. that that isn't like a simple thing. And you come back and you're just every bit as explosive as you as you were previously. That that might take a little while, but he's a huge addition to the offense. Um, you know, full credit to to Traquan Smith for having a day uh, in in week four. Didn't necessarily see a ton of targets, but obviously converted a couple of them into into touchdowns. He gets a lot less interesting with with Thomas back on the field, I think. But you know, Emmanuel Sanders had a really nice day, had a nice volume day. Didn't uh, uh, didn't have as as notable a, a fantasy performance as, as Traquan, but it was good to see him. Like we were right at the verge of of maybe cutting Emmanuel Sanders on a lot of rosters. I don't think you can do that anymore. Like he came back and had a totally reasonable day. Um, but Thomas getting back would make a huge difference, obviously, for a team that's already pretty good. Sanders also had that day without Jared Cook on the field, though. And so I have to wonder how that's affected. Now, Cook is dealing with a groin injury. He also practiced on a limited basis on Thursday. Uh, You know, we are not sure if he will play again because the game is on Monday and that should give him an extra day. If he does play, he's a top 10 start. And I'm a little bit I might have to lower Sanders like a couple of spots in my ranks then, too. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, we we really have to see what the situation is with Cook on on Saturday before Saturday. we make that yeah. call because I would be pretty nervous just uh, you know uh, plugging Jared Cook into a lineup heading into Monday night, not being absolutely certain that he's going to go. Hundred percent. All right, looking ahead to Sunday, let's make some nutty predictions. Thanks to Planters, Andy, what is your nuttiest prediction for Sunday's games? Yeah, I've I've been nailing these week after week. I'll tell you that. So. Uh, <laughs> I think you're welcome for Kenyon Drake last week. Um, I'm going to go with Eric Ebron as a top three fantasy tight end. He's facing Philadelphia. 
Philadelphia has has given up huge days to the tight end position so far. They gave up the the huge game to George Kittle in his return. Um, they gave up the Tyler Higby three touchdown game. It's the only good thing that Tyler Higby has really done all season. And Eric Ebron is coming off a game in which he saw, you know, there were some, some promises throughout the preseason, throughout camp, right, that he's going to be a big part of the red zone offense. That finally happened. He saw six, seven targets. 50 plus yards, had a touchdown. Um, I, I think he betters that in this matchup. I think it's probably 75, maybe 85 yards and a touchdown or two. I love that take. Eric Ebron is on my deep sleepers list for the week. He's a fantasy damage player. I agree with you 100%. Don't forget, the Eagles also gave up a score to Logan Thomas. So it hasn't yeah. just been the studs at the position. My nutty prediction is about Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson. Now, I think Justin Jackson's presence makes Josh Kelly a bust. We talked earlier in the show about how Kelly has had some fumbling issues, lost the ball in back-to-back games. Justin Jackson admittedly is rarely healthy, but when he is healthy and on the field, he is hashtag good, (laughs) hyper-efficient. He averaged a true carry rate of 6.2 last season, and he hasn't recorded a single fumble since entering the league. I understand that the snap count looked like after... after Eckler exited in week four, as though this would be a 60-40 split. It might still be that, although I think it's closer to 50-50 than people are anticipated, anticipating. And we have seen the Chargers run enough to support two fantasy-relevant running backs. Furthermore, Justin Jackson is in an interesting spot because let's not forget that the Saints allowed both Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift to find the end zone a week ago. So if you are looking for a stream, Justin Jackson at a very thin position right now is a solid option. Woo! Those are some pretty nutty predictions right there. What can you say? We're a bit nuts. Thanks again to Planters and we remind you at home or wherever you are, stay satisfied with Planters. All right. Um, I need to get satisfied. I am wiped. I need to have a handful of some planters deluxe mixed nuts to (laughs) revive myself after that rollicking experience with you, Andy. What are you doing on Sunday after FFL? Oh, after FFL. That's a good question. Well, I've got the pre-FFL chat uh, mm-hmm. an hour before FFL kicks off. And then afterwards, uh, I always come up with, uh, I've been recording a, a video on the early pickups, right? So anybody really pops in the early games, um, we make sure that you know about it. All right. Well, everybody stay tuned to that. Obviously, as we both mentioned, FFL is a big part of our Sunday mornings. We hope it's a big part of your Sunday mornings too. check out Fantasy Football Live 90 minutes before kickoff. We will answer your questions. Make sure to add us at Yahoo Fantasy. And if you have a question for Sunday, use the hashtag AskFFL. We also have a lot of podcasts of other podcasts here at Yahoo Sports. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel and Pete Thamel and our friend Pat Forty. You can follow me on Twitter at LizLoza underscore FF. That is at Andy Barons. One more thanks to Planters. Week five is happening. It sure is. Matt and I will recap all of it for you first thing on Monday morning. For now, we are out. Titans, stay cool. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.